Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's word together. Hey, Keith, and is it Carolina and Mike and David Bickert fan and Louis Rasmus? You know, if I remember correctly here, Carolac is in Brazil. Mike is in Europe, Sweden, I think. David and Louis. Are you both in Canada? And Keith, I know you're from the Midwest. How awesome is this? What a day to live where we can gather from all over the world and study God's word together. How? Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Well, glad you all are with us. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we're going to continue our discussion of the kingdom of God. Now, some of you, if I were to say the, uh, the phrase left behind or mention a series called left behind some of you would know exactly what i'm talking about as i uh, hang out with some younger folks in our fellowship i'm realizing uh that's not a prominent series anymore which i'm thankful for but the uh so left behind was a book series a fictional book series uh that was trying to articulate what is known as the dispensational view of the end times. And even if you don't know those words, whether it's dispensational or left behind, I'm sure you know the concept of this view that one of these days, any day now, Jesus is going to rapture the church, take the church uh, off the earth, and meaning Christians are just going to be gone, and you're going to have airplanes that are being flown by Christians and the the pilot's going to be poof he's going to be gone and so the plane's going to crash they're going to be drivers all over the world driving their cars Christians are going to be taken away and they're going to crash and and on and on and on and and I guess we're going to be taken away naked because uh, at least in the uh, uh the movies and TV the clothes are left uh, on the on the ground as Christians are raptured that kind of thing well none of that's true none of that's in the bible there there's at the end of the 19th century, uh, John Nelson Darby was a guy who laid the groundwork for all of this, and he had a very pessimistic view. You know, basically, uh, the world's going to come to an end in a moment. It's just the evil is is uh, about to take over, and God's going to send Jesus back, and so on. And following on his teaching and similar. Uh, those who followed him, uh, this for 130, 40, 50 years, there's been a grow. There's a large group of Christians who have a very pessimistic view of humanity, of world, uh, events. And we're, you know, for generations now, they've been saying Jesus is coming back any minute. He's his return is imminent and things are getting worse and worse and worse and worse and all that. Well, a lot, of, a lot of this is based on a passage we're going to look at today, and I, I'm not here today to uh, go through all the dispensational view, but I just want you to know as we head into this section, uh, this is a passage that uh, is prominent in dispensationalism, and I'm going to try to show you what I think it is about. So let's take a look. Jesus is asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God is coming, Luke 17, right? Uh, the predominant view today is that the kingdom of God is still in our future. Today it's July 25th, year of our Lord 2023. The predominant view among Christians today is that 
God's kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, is still in our future. Oh, he's still he's 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 reigning today in some sense, but when the Bible talks about the kingdom, it's talking about our future. Well, let's see how Jesus responds. The Pharisees questioned him as to when the kingdom of God was coming, and here's his answer: the kingdom of God is not coming with signs. To be observed. Literally, it's not coming with observation is what he says. Nor will they say, look, here it is or there it is. Now notice Jesus' response. Their question is, when is the kingdom coming? And Jesus responds with, you have an erroneous view of the nature of the kingdom or at least the location of the kingdom. The Pharisees had in mind that when the Messiah comes, he is going to establish Jerusalem as the kingdom, as the capital, just like David did, and from Jerusalem going to rule the earth. And by the way, that is what the dispensationalists believe as well, that Jesus is going to come back and set up his capital in Jerusalem and rule the earth. Jesus says, no, no, you don't understand something about the kingdom. It is not the kind of kingdom that you point over there and say, look, there it is. There's the capital. You can go into that building. There's the king in there. It's over here. It's over there. That's not the nature of the kingdom. He says, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And notice the tense of the verb here. He says to these Pharisees 2,000 years ago, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Literally, it's he, the kingdom of God is within you, and it's plural, within, within all y'all. Um, but he doesn't mean the kingdom is in the individual standing there because these were Pharisees, they were unbelievers. No, what's he mean? I think he has to mean he is the kingdom. Right? He's the ruler. He's the king. I'm right here, he says. You're waiting for the kingdom? Here I am. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to rule, but it's a different nature. It's not as simple as they think of it as an earthly kingdom. Then he goes on, same context, and he says to his disciples, the days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Okay, what is he talking about? He's talking to his disciples, the, the, the men standing in front of him in Luke 17 here. He looks at them and says, the days will come when you, he's not talking to generations in the future, He's talking to the disciples. The days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. What is he talking about? What are the days of the Son of Man? Well, just like we did the other day, we've got to go back to Daniel because Daniel talked about this. Uh, Carol says, my family would gather around the TV to watch the three parts but today I'm free indeed. <laughs> I, assu I assume you mean the uh, you'd watch the Left Behind in three parts. Yeah, I mean, it was a very popular and captivating series, wasn't it? And before that, there was Thief in the Night that uh, communicated the same thing. All 
fiction. Okay, um, so Daniel 7. In Daniel 7, uh, Daniel sees this vision, and it has a lot of the characters that we see reoccur in Revelation. You've got beasts and horns and all these, you know, the, this battle kind of thing going on. And as Daniel is seeing these things, we get this. I kept looking until thrones were set up. Thrones, right? That conjures up the idea of kings, kingdoms. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. The Ancient of Days is God. So God takes his seat, and there are other thrones around here. This Ancient of Days, God, his vesture was like white snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. Sounds very much like what we see in the book of Revelation, right? His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. Imagine this, Daniel, you're seeing this vision and the Ancient of Days sits down. He's white, his hair is white, his throne is on fire and the wheels on the throne are burning fire. It's a pretty alarming scene, right? A river of fire was flowing. Uh, there's a, a family friend, a young man that uh, is a storm chaser. And uh, just the other day, he sent pictures of being, I forget where the volcano was. Was it, uh, I want to say Iceland? Is that something right? There was a volcano that erupted the other day, last week. And he sent pictures of it. I should remember this. I should look it up. Anyway, and it looked to me, as I observed his pictures, he seemed a little too close. <laughs> A little too close for comfort to the lava uh, as it flowed down. And I thought that that's sort of what da uh, Daniel's seeing here, a river of fire. If you've seen videos and pictures of volcanoes, kind of like that. Coming out before him, and thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. So this is a judgment scene. And books were opened, and courts are going to render their decisions. Then I kept... Looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. That horn refers to the beast that he, was, uh, that he saw earlier. I kept looking until the beast was slain. Its body was destroyed, given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away. Extension of life was granted to one for an appointed time. So we don't have time to get into all that right now. But he kept looking in the night visions. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. All right, so amidst all this strange stuff about the beast and so on, Daniel sees one like a son of man coming to the Ancient of Days on his throne. Right? So the Ancient of Days, all these myriads and myriads around him, the fire flowing out of his throne, it's on fire, everything. And the Son of Man, or one like a son of man, comes to the Ancient of Days. Well, what happens when the Son of Man comes to the Ancient of Days? To him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. This is when the Son of Man receives his kingdom. The word kingdom here in the uh, Greek translation is the word exousia, which is the word authority. What did Jesus say after the resurrection? All authority 
in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? This is not our future. This is our past. This is Jesus becoming king. He comes to, so Daniel sees Jesus, the Son of Man, going before the Ancient of Days and receiving his kingdom. That all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. Do you see how this ties together? Everything else we've been talking about, the kingdom is going to permeate the earth. It's going to cover the earth. It's going to fill the earth. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed within me, and the visions of my mind kept alarming me because I didn't, again, all the stuff I skipped over, the beast and all that, he's, he's troubled by all this. And the one came to him and told him the, uh, the explanation. We're just going to cover this. These great beasts, which were four number, four kings who will rise from the earth, but the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever unto the age of the ages, literally, is what it says. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll read one more section here. I kept looking. That horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. So there's a battle between this, this, one, this horn and the uh, saints until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in the favor of the saints of the highest one and the time arrived when the saints would take possession of the kingdom. So there's more to go on there, but the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. Jesus said in Luke, the days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. You will not see it. What, what does he mean? I think he means you will long to see the Son of Man destroying the beast who's waging war. I, I read that so quickly from Daniel. Let me go back here. I kept looking and the horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. There's a battle. Jesus says, you're going to long for one of the days of the Son of Man so that he will put an end to this. What happened to these disciples after Jesus ascended? Well, we know that persecution for the next 30 to 40 years was intense. Remember when the Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, he was persecuting, threatening, violence, putting to death. He held the coats and gave his authority as Stephen was stoned. And then a great and severe persecution spread and everyone had to flee Jerusalem. And then it kept going decade after decade until you remember the stories of Nero burning his gardens with Christians. I think that's what he's talking about. All leading up to what we saw yesterday when Jerusalem would be destroyed. And remember, in the first century, the Romans did not differentiate between Jews and Christians. They looked at Christianity as simply a subset of Judaism. So they poured out their persecution on both Jews and Christians. So Jesus says, the days will come, you'll long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, you will not see it. They will say to you, look here, look here, or look there, look here. Do not go away, do not run after them, for just like the lightning when it flashes out of one part of the sky, shines to the other part of the sky, so will be the Son of Man in his day. When the Son of Man comes, 
Everybody's going to see it. I think this is referring to Luke 21 and the destruction of Jerusalem. Before he has this day, he must first suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. That's the cross. So he's going to die on the cross. This generation of Jews are going to persecute him, have him crucified. He's going to be rejected by them. And then those Jews are going to turn up the heat on his followers. But then Jesus, the Son of Man, is going to come and get his revenge, so to speak. Just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. They're going about their business, living life. And then here came the waters. Then here comes the Romans, as he will talk about in Luke 21. We saw this yesterday. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. Again, I think this is from, uh, referring to rather, the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. That's when he is revealed, when the, the old covenant kingdom is fully and finally done away with. That transition period, that continuum I talked about yesterday, I think this is describing the same thing. And he comes back to this in Luke 21. Again, we looked at that yesterday. On that day, oops. On that day, the one who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out. Likewise, the one who's in the field must not turn back. He's going to go on in chapter 21 and say, look, when you see the army surrounding Jerusalem, get out of there. Flee. Don't even go back in and get your coat. Because you'll be killed. Run. He's telling them beforehand. Remember Lot's wife. She turned back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. When you see the armies coming, flee Jerusalem. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. If you think you can stay and save yourself and get all your stuff, you're going to be killed along with the rest of the Jews. If you give those things up and just get out of Dodge, you'll save your life. I'm telling you ahead of time, he says. This is all the same thing he says in Matthew 24, which is the same context as Luke 21. I tell you on that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, the other one left. Now, this, is, this is where the left behind people get their idea of the secret rapture and Christians being taken out. That's not the context, I don't think. I think he's saying, you got to get out of here. Someone's going to be dead um, by the Roman soldiers. Flee. Get out of there. There will be two women grinding the same place. One will be taken. The other one will be left. Verse 36 is probably not uh, uh, in the original, so I'm going to skip it here. And answering, they said to him, Where, Lord? And he said, Where the body is, there also the vultures will be gathered. This is the same kind of language he uses throughout the Old Covenant prophets when he talks about the destruction of Jerusalem. 
and that the body is going to be strewn all all over the place, lying out in the field for the vultures, the birds of prey to come and eat. Again, he's predicting the uh, the destruction. Um, that I hadn't planned to go here, but let me let me just uh, see if I want to go here for a second. Thanks for your patience. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Matthew 24 is the same context as Luke 21. Matthew 24 puts what's in Luke 17 and Luke 21. Matthew 24 puts it together. Uh, so he's telling them to flee, get out of Jerusalem. I pray that your flight won't be in winter or on the Sabbath for then there'll be a great tribulation. See, this is where the dispensations get the idea of great tribulation. And they grab from Daniel 9, the 70th week, which they think is still ahead of us. Some of you know what that's talking about. For the rest of you, I'm not going to go there now. I I have a series on this. Uh, But no, this is talking about the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. There will be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. He says, so don't go after it when they uh, talk about false Christ and so on. Behold, I've told you in advance. If they say he's in the wilderness, don't go out. If they say he's in the inner rooms, don't. For just as the lightning comes and flashes and everyone can see it, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky. Again, we've been over this in other contexts. This is uh, quoting out of uh, Isaiah 13, the same kind of language that is used to describe God judging Jerusalem by another nation. Or in, this, in, in Isaiah 13, it's uh, Babylon is being destroyed by another nation. The sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. He's going he's gonna to take his kingdom from the ancient of days. He's going to get it. All the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the son of man coming on the clouds of the sky. This is Daniel seven. What we just looked at. This is Jesus saying he's going to, the son of man is going to go receive his kingdom from the ancient of days. And he's going to destroy his Jewish enemies. He will send forth his angel, the great trumpet. Uh, We'll have to come back to that some other time. Uh, learn the parable from the fig tree when its branch has already become tender. You know the summer is near. You too. He's talking to that generation, first century disciples. When you see all these things, recognize he is near. He's at the door. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not take place. I'm sorry, will not pass away until all these things take place. All this stuff he's talking about, he says, is going to take place within a generation of the people he was talking to. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking. All the same stuff he was talking about in Luke 17. Uh, Two men will be left in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. And then he goes on and uh, describe some other, uh, give some other parables and stories about uh, all the same kind of stuff. I don't think any of this is future for us. It's future for the first century, but it's talking about Jesus coming to crush 
his enemies who put him on the cross, the Jews, and bring an end to the old covenant era, destroy the old covenant kingdom fully and finally, bring the curses down upon them, just as he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you under my wings, but you wouldn't do it. So behold, your house left you desolate. 40 years later, that happened. And now he's reigning because he's taken his kingdom. Lon says, the first mention of grace was with Noah, so like the days of the Son of Man. If you're in Christ, yes. If you believe Jesus, then you get out of Jerusalem and you avoid the destruction. Uh, McRitt says, uh, oh, you guys are having conversation. They're good. So that's how I see it. I think what Jesus was telling them is the kingdom came in its fullness in 70 AD. So there was this full continuum. Jesus was king at his birth. He rose as the king in power and was given all authority. He ascended to the throne, and for the next 40 years, he did what he was going to do through this uh, interim period, and then finally he brought the Old Covenant era to an end in 70 AD, and since then, he's been reigning and ruling. Now, he is returning, and the full consummation of the kingdom is, is yet future, I believe. But so many times when the Gospels especially talk about the kingdom, and even the, the epistles, it's Jesus reigning, starting his birth, resurrection, ascension, and uh, coming, if you will, against Israel. Uh, Mike says, was the corpse Israel? Um, yeah, although they, I think he's being a little more specific. He's actually talking about their corpses as the, uh, the Roman armies destroyed them. And yeah, Lewis there, Claire, quoting from Matthew 10. Very good. All right, so that's what I think. Give us some thought. Uh, we will come back tomorrow and uh, continue looking at this, and we'll see what the Apostle Paul has to say about the nature of the kingdom today, or at least in his day. Have a great day. We'll uh, see you tomorrow. God bless.